It's time to get chiseled with Rob Hamadari. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chiseled. Why is it called Chiseled? Because we're all a work in progress. I'm Rob Kamadari. I'm your host. I'm also the author of the book, Better Than You Think. And today I have a very, very special guest with me. It's my son, Robbie Kamadari. And I would say, Robbie, how long have you been my son? <laughs> 22 years. 22 years. How are you doing today, Robbie? I'm doing all right, Dad. How about yourself? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, it's going to be, this could be a really cool, uh, podcast because it's going to be a father-son chat. We're going to talk about a few things here, but it's, it's funny. I came home today and my son and Robbie, my son, Robbie got his hair cut and Robbie had this, and he was grew up, you know, went to Catholic high school and had to keep his hair real short. And since he got to college, his hair's gotten really long. He's got a facial hair, beard and all that. <laughs> and uh, we call him Jesus from time to time. And so this, this podcast has been spiritually motivated. I feel like I got Jesus on the, on the call here and that's a joke, everybody. But I got his hair cut. He got about five inches, five, I don't know, four, five, six inches cut off. And uh, so it's not as long anymore. So I came home to that surprise today. So what do you think about losing all that hair today, Rob? Hey, I'm fine with it. I know you wanted me to do it at some point. So now now is the time. Now is the time. I'm just kidding when I say that. But I did feel like it was a time to switch some things up, flip the script, you know? Flip the script. What did you say earlier? New year, what? New year, new me. Here we go. New, new hair. New hair. <laughs> so, look, this is going to be cool. Uh, I don't know where this is going to go. We just had a couple, a uh, little bit of a conversation beforehand. But you know, Robbie's 22 years old now. He is a senior at Millersville University uh, studying to be a meteorologist. How does it feel to be, like, be that close, Robbie, to, to being a meteorologist? That's one of the craziest things because you know the story, how it goes. Ever since I was about the age of five. Uh, I've really been into this, and I know there have been some, I guess, ups and downs with it. Uh, like I wanted to be an astronaut at some point, switch some things up. But uh, it's always been meteorology to the core, and even in college at Millersville University, uh, I guess it was sophomore year, junior year, I really started wondering and asking myself, do I really want to do this anymore? Do I want to switch to, for example, personal training, exercise science, something like that? And uh, I'm glad I've been sticking with it, and here I am. One more semester left. I officially have a degree in meteorology and then graduate school after that. That's special. That's really special. Why don't you tell everybody you're the uh, five or six graduate schools you're applying to real quick? Sure. So uh, no particular order here. Just Penn State University, NC State University, Colorado State University, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, and University of Illinois. So, big time schools, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I just had a Zoom meeting with Colorado State University earlier this evening, I think around five o'clock local time, and uh, just met some of the professors there that I could potentially work with if I do go there, and it was awesome. Their energy was so high, it was through the roof. I enjoyed talking to them. They have some great projects. I'm not going to get all technical here with meteorology. That's not what this is about, but it was great. It was great. That's awesome. I'm glad you're uh, making that move because it wasn't too long ago, like you said, that you had second thoughts about uh, even following through on this. But before you go there, I want to I want to take back to you said when you were ever since you were five years old, you wanted to be a meteorologist. What was it? What was it back then that made you think about this? Well, I remember it to the day, May. I think it was the 19th. It was May 19th or 24th of 2004. Uh, we were in the n- old neighborhood on Blue Coat Road, 
I remember I was outside. I think Amanda was outside, my sister, and uh, I, I guess another one of our neighbors. But clouds started building up. Uh, cumulonimbus clouds, again, won't get into that, but those are the storm clouds that cause thunderstorms and create thunderstorms. But uh, they started building up, and then the sky turned dark, and there was a greenish tint in the sky. And I looked up, and all I could say is curiosity filled my mind. I'm like, why is that? Why exactly is that? And ever since then, that's the question I've been trying to figure out is the way to put it. And there are other phenomena I'm interested in, tornadoes, hurricanes, winter storms. You name it, any form of extreme weather, I love it. And uh, definitely want to learn more about it. So I remember there was a time we talked about doing some storm chasing together. Is that still yeah. one of your goals? Oh, yeah. I mean, still haven't seen a tornado yet. That's, you know that's always been one of my goals. I mean, of course, not doing any destruction. But uh, just to see, like, they call it the finger of God. And yeah. I know this is a spiritual podcast, and we can get into that later. But uh, uh, you heard that in the movie Twister. Right. They call it EF5, the finger of God, mm. uh, because of how much power is behind that natural phenomena. So That's crazy. So let's talk a little bit about that journey from that five-year-old Robbie to the twenty-two-year-old, uh, my twenty-two-year-old adult son now, right now, <laughs> and it, it hasn't been an easy road, right? And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this because if five years old, like I, I, I play college baseball, and you know, a father wanted his son to be just like him and play baseball and, and whatnot, and and we got Robbie started in swimming about five or six years old, wasn't it, Robbie? I would say about that five, six, seven. And so I, I would like, I'm this, I was this athlete, I'm this driven guy. And I'm like, my son's going to play sports. He's going to play sports. He's going to play sports. And, and I was, I was pushing Robbie, pushing Robbie, pushing Robbie. I had, I think you played T-ball at four or five years old. I had you playing. And, and I was just like, kind of Robbie could tell you himself, but I was kind of like this drill sergeant. And and what I learned in hindsight, it is, is I was trying to live. You can say vicariously through Robbie. Or I was trying to live my dream through Robbie because I had a very successful you know, uh, you know, baseball career, if you want to say it that way. But high school and college ball, I played a high level of college ball, and I just uh, you know, Robbie was a naturally gifted athlete, and it wasn't, wasn't a superstar, but naturally gifted. I just saw him play sports. So, Robbie, I'll let you share a little bit about the uh, the, the stress that I that I put you through, and, and you can be totally honest. I'm not going to punish you when we you get on this call if you don't say what I want you to say. But no, this is your your story, man. So feel free to share it right now. Yeah, so I I can't remember exactly what age it was when it all started, but baseball is obviously the go to sport because you played it, and then I felt like not that I didn't like baseball. I loved baseball growing up, and Hence why I played it, rec ball, and then we got into travel ball, fall ball, everything like that. And it was fun. And then one experience leads to another. And I started, I guess, losing that passion for the sport of baseball. And uh, I wondered, do I want to do this anymore? I didn't bring it up to dad. I didn't bring it up to anybody else at that time. But I was like, do I really want to be playing baseball anymore? It's not what I love. And I knew deep down. Like, I love the weather. Dad's right. probably going to say that story later on. And, like, I told him that face-to-face at some point down the road. Like, that, that's my passion. And that goes back to being five years old and knowing what I want to do. So, anyway, back to baseball here. And whatever sport it was, it was basketball. I played basketball, soccer, cross-country, track and field, whatever it was. But especially with baseball because Dad was a ball player. And, like I said, I wonder, do I want to do this anymore? And 
dad and I, we'd have a argumentative relationship is the way to put it. We butted heads. Oh yeah, we butted heads, that's for sure. And it was tough. And like, of course, I'm going to have a different perspective than dad's going to have on this. And because that's how life works. It's all about perspective. If you can look at, right, by the way, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think mom's always right. That's rule number one. <laughs> hey, this is just you and I right now. I <laughs> know. Uh, don't tell her that. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's the point, like growing up to where I am now, I can understand that you had a different perspective back then. I didn't see your perspective. That's, that's the way to put it. I only saw my perspective and that's mostly probably because I was young and I wasn't mature enough to understand that there was another perspective coming from you. I thought you only saw mine. Yeah, but, that's but the we'll, way to we'll put talk it. about mature because you did, you did a very mature thing of a few, several mature things along the way here. Yeah. Um, but you, it took its, it took its toll on you. You said, you told me, you shared with me at one point, they, all the, the arguing that we did. And, and, and let's face it, I, I was a yeller. I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to hide from that fact. I, 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 I would get loud. And, um, and, and that war on you a little bit, can you mind, Rob, feel free to share that that war on you a little bit. Yeah. And so the biggest thing from that was just anxiety. Like I felt like I had to do everything to please mom and dad, or I guess in this case, dad for baseball. Mm -hmm. And like dad said, that took its toll on me. It's, it depleted my energy. Not that I was like physically tired, but I was tired of having this argumentative relationship with dad all about sports and all about playing baseball specifically. And like, it was hard. And every time I did something wrong, I feel like I would disappoint dad. And we can get into that conversation later about not feeling loved. Mm-hmm. But because that's the biggest fear. That's what I realized later on having a conversation with dad. But backtracking a little bit again. Um, it's, that was my fear of disappointing dad at the time. Not making him feel proud of me for playing baseball because that's what he did when he was younger. So we, we butted heads a lot and there was a lot of arguing and dad always thought he was right. But I came to, I had an epiphany uh, years later cause you helped me have that epiphany. But one of the things that happened along the way that Rob just mentioned a couple minutes ago was, I think he was 13 or 14 years old and we were, we had pre- it was baseball practice. Uh, it was Chapel Hill. I remember the park. Yes. We, we, we finished practice and we get in the car and Rob, dad, dad started getting into Robbie again. Like, you got to do this. You got to do that, Robbie. You need to do this. You got to do this better. Right. And Robbie stopped me in his tracks. He stopped me right in my tracks. And he said, dad, he goes, you got to understand. He goes, I don't love sports like you do. I love the weather. And he hit me right between the eyes because <laughs> it was in that moment that I realized that, you know, I was trying to get Robbie something to, to, to do something that I loved and I wasn't supporting him in what he loved. Yeah. We, oh, I knew he wanted to be a weatherman and I, and I always thought he was going to be a weatherman. He was 13 years old. I'm like, you're not going to be a weatherman yet. Yeah, play ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, but he hit me, he hit me right between the eyes with that. And, and it, it woke me up I'm like, wow, I got to be better. At, at being a dad and not being not living vicariously through my son. So that was one of the mature things he did. Another thing Robbie did, and you might want to share a little bit of this, but it, it, I'll, I'll say this first. Robbie went on a, a leadership conference up in Boston. That's a seminar conference. Yeah. And he came back from the conference one day and he, we were, it was, it was, I guess the week he came back and, I could see him struggle to tell me something. 
And, and all day I could see it on his face. I'm like, you're going to tell me something? He goes, we can talk tonight. We can talk tonight. And we sat down and said, what's going on, bud? And he looked at me and he said, dad, he says, um, he says, I got to stop living a parent-centered life and start living a principle-centered life. And my jaw, a kid's 13 years old, my jaw like hit the floor. I'm like, what did you just say? <laughs> and I'm like, holy smokes, he is so, so right on. Rob, tell me a little bit about that that story. I mean, to elaborate a little more of a story. What were you feeling, the, the, the anxiety about sharing it with me? And then what did you mean by not living a parent-centered life and more so living a principle-centered life? Yeah, so leading up to that moment in time, all that anxiety was boiling up. And I think that's that conference, that leadership conference that I was at, that threw me over the fence and led me to make the decision to tell you what I had to say. And like, I didn't know exactly how to put it into words before that conference. And why I said it the way I did was because of that conference. That's without a doubt, because I learned so much from it. But, and even that week up in Boston, they told you I would come back a new man. And that I did. I would say I did. And I felt that. And so back to it a little bit. Like the anxiety was boiling up. I could feel it. It was at this tipping point, if that's how you want to put it. And I knew I should say something. And again, with baseball, did everything to please that. Not specifically to please that. Of course, I enjoyed many aspects of the sport. But most of it was just because I wanted to please dad and I wanted to make sure he loved me. Because I was playing ball like he did in his old days. And I realized after learning everything I did at the conference that I was living that parents, parent-centered life, making sure I did everything, in this case for others or for my parents. And I, I looked around and I started realizing I didn't just do that only for my parents, and for friends, family, whatever it might have been. Of course, it was mostly focused on mom and dad. But it made me realize that uh, it was always focused elsewhere on what others thought. And then they talked about living that principle-centered life at the conference. They got to make decisions for me. And of course, like, I know I'm a selfless individual. That's how mom and dad taught me to grow up, and that's how they taught me to be. And I plan on continuing that for the rest of my life. But knowing that I need to live a principle-centered life and doing things the right way for the, I guess, right cause and having good effects on my life and others as well uh, later on down the road, whatever that may be. But that's what it's all about now, just making sure, keeping it simple, not making it too complex, uh -huh. but living a principle-centered life. So... So that, that's really cool. And sorry for the dog barking in the background, everybody. You might have heard that. It's the first time that's happened. 19 episodes. Anyway, so if powerful words, Robbie, very mature words. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking some other things that happened along the way. And so we, we got through that. That was, a, that was a milestone moment for both of us, I think. Yes. And then, so that was about 13 years old. And I can even backtrack a little bit because this whole this is the whole father-son relationship. But I, I'm going to go back to when you were – Gosh, Rob, I think it was 2010 or 11 when we went to the Monster Truck Show. Remember that? Las Vegas, right? We went to Las Vegas. So, so father and son were going to Vegas, you know, not to, you know, not to go to the bars and party and gamble and all <laughs> Nothing that. like that. We were going to a Monster Truck Show. It was the Monster Truck Finals. Monster and Jam. 
Master Jam, right? And so it was at the uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, I think was the state, yes. if I'm not mistaken. <coughs> Excuse me. So we the day before the event, we're outside the stadium, we have all these little expos and whatnot. And one of them was an RC car, remote control car expo. So Robbie was a, he was fascinated by this. So we go to the event, we come home. And Robbie's looking up remote control cars, RC cars, and he finds a hobby shop not far from us. And he says, Dad, he goes, I, I want to get a Traxxas. It's an RC car. And can we go to the, the shop and look at it? I'm like, yeah, we can go down and look at it. Now, I had a feeling I knew what he had in mind, but I knew what <laughs> I wasn't going to do. So, Rob, what, what, tell what happened that day. Well, obviously, I fell in love with those RC cars and remote control cars and trucks. And just as any other kid my age probably would in that case. And I wanted one. Why would I not? Right. So we show up to that uh, shop in Middle River and um, looking around at them. And it was the Traxxas. I forget what model it was. I'm not going to get into that right yeah, now. But matter, right? I was obsessed with it. And I loved it. I look at that. I'm like, can we get it? And you go from there. So the guy pulls the Traxxas off the shelf and Robbie's looking at it. And Robbie's like, can we get it? And I was like, Robbie, I'm not just going to spend $307 just because you want a, a Traxxas car. So, but I got an idea. And so I was already in the real estate business and I had a client that it was uh, going through a short sale and was not living in a house, but she had to keep the lawn up. So I said, Rob, my idea would be this. Let's, let's ask my client if you can cut her lawn every other week or every week, whatever it was, and we'll save the money until we save enough money to buy this truck. You know, you'll, I'll have her right to check out to you, except you got to give me for five, $5 for gas every time. So anyway, I know I sound like a, a like this pile driving, <laughs> sleep driving uh, dad here, but anyway, uh, so she agreed to it. So we cut grass, we cut grass together and we, Robbie saved up $250. And then I, I said, it's time to go. And he goes, dad, I haven't earned all my money yet. I'm like, you've already proven to me. So then what do we do, Rob? Went to the shop and bought it. And Robbie bought this Traxxas. <laughs> yeah. So I gave him $57 and he had $250 of his own money and we bought his Traxxas. So that started us on the journey of, of Robbie understanding the value of money. And, and then soon after that, what did you start? Long cutting business. That's what and, we did after that. Which you still have today. Yes. So I believe it's seven years going strong now. Is all because seven, of seven or eight, something like that. Yeah. Seven or eight, something like that. But again, that's, not the point here, but no, but, but it's the learning of, you know, one being you know, the father son relationship, the learning of being able to communicate with your, your father when you, yeah. when you had this anxiety, not feeling like you got to please him all the time and then understanding some finances along the way. So with, with this, with this uh, idea of the long cutting business, Robbie opened up a, what's it called again? A Roth IRA. <laughs> That's right. I, I was uh, there's some other retirement plan I think of all the time, but Roth IRA. So he, he opens up a Roth IRA and, and he's, he's like, he's getting ready to invest for his eighth straight year into his Roth IRA at age 22. That's it. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of him to be able to do that. And they say, start investing young. And, and here's a kid starting with 14, 15 years old, investing in uh, in his IRA, Roth IRA. So he's got a bright future ahead of him. Wouldn't you think, Rob? <laughs> Thank you, dad. I appreciate it. So, that brings you to the next phase, right? So what did we do when you were 18? We, we, we did something down Ocean City. You remember that? Yes. We went skydiving. We went skydiving. That was a pretty, what's the word for it? It came out of nowhere, out of the blue. That was a decision we just made spontaneously. That's the word I'm looking for. I remember we were at a family party, mom's side of the family, I think, and a relative over there mentioned skydiving. So I looked at you, 
And we said, hey, we should do that. And we did. And, uh, and so we did. And, and go ahead. What were you going to say? You guys. I was just saying, we, we, we got, went skydiving. It was like one of the most exhilarating experiences I think we both had at the time. And when we landed, we looked at each other. And what couldn't we say? What it meant. Like, yeah, yeah, right. In my words, I didn't know what it meant to you. The one thing I remember, of course, I remember so much from it. But like I landed, I'm looking down there. And like we ran like a slow jog, whatever you want to call it, to each other. And it felt like one of those movies where, like, you're running through the field and you hug the other person. One of those slow motion kind of. It was epic. It was one of those epic. Yeah, moments. it was an epic moment. <laughs> and like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but we got in the car. Remember, we got in the car, and I said, "What do you think? How do you feel?" And didn't know. Still didn't know. Uh, you can't put it into words in that case. Right, right. And then, what led? to your kind of understanding what was going on there. Do you know where I'm going with that? Yes. So I might be a little bit ahead of the game with you on this, but I was going into college uh, right after that. Was that August, July? Yeah. About a month later. So I took some of the books that dad had in his office and I decided why not start reading. And one of them was Training Camp by John Gordon. And at the end of that book, there was, I don't know the passage off the top of my head, but I read it and that's how I felt. Can I, can I go back on that, Rob, real quick? What yeah, yeah. Unless you, yeah, remember, of course. you remember what happened in the book? That's, again, I don't remember off the that's top okay. of my head. I should have had it with me. But. Yeah, look, look this, we just, this is, this is a whole ad lib podcast right now. There's no yeah, pre, yeah. pre, pre uh, what's the word? Uh, Scripting. Scripting. Yeah. Uh, so in, in the book, there's a foot guy who's playing, he's playing, trying to make an NFL team. He's an undrafted rookie, and he's, he wants to play football, wants to make the NFL. And he, he gets hurt the first game, and, and he's got like two, three more games to go to see if he can make the team. And, you know, he, he says that, hey, he wants to make the NFL, the NFL and be the superstar player. But the real, meaning, the real thing behind it was he had, a, I think it was his aunt, his yes. aunt, she was had a heart condition and she was dying and he needed to make money for surgery. And so his coach asked him one time, he says, you know, what's your biggest fear? And he said that I don't make the NFL. And the coach calls him out and says, that's bull crap. That's not, that's not your biggest fear. And then a, a couple of days later, he comes back and says, what's your biggest fear? And he says that my, my aunt dies, you know, because I don't get, make the NFL and he can't uh, pay for her surgery. And he says, that's bull crap. That's not your biggest fear. And he goes, come back to me when you figure it out. So, Again, long story short, he says he, he, he has this epiphany and, and the coach says, what's the real reason or what's the big fear that you have? And it came out that he said if he didn't make the NFL and didn't make the money, he couldn't pay for his aunt's surgery. She dies and then he wouldn't be loved. He wouldn't have anybody to love him. And so he makes to bring the bring it to the conclusion here. He makes the team. But he, when he finds out he makes the team, he goes down to the beach and he rushes into the water and it feels like he's just had this baptismal renewal. And he had this rush going through his mind. And so Robbie was saying, if you want to finish that up. Yeah, Rob, so like that was saying there, he ran into the water. It was, I think, mid-January, whenever that was in the setting. And so water was obviously cold, but he rushes into the water, dives in head first, comes up feeling invigorated, ready to take on anything that life has to offer, any challenge. Any triumph he's ready for, any joy, any defeat, whatever it is. 
and he goes so on and so forth with that. And that's how I felt when I landed after skydiving with dad. Like he could I take felt, on the world. Yeah, I could take on the world. Whatever life has to offer, I'm ready to accept it. Whether I learn a lesson from it, whether I fail, whether I succeed, whatever mm -hmm. it might be, ready to just take it head on and go at it. And you have. Yes. So far, I have, and I continue to plan to do that. So good stuff. So now that was that was when you're 18. So let's yes. fast forward. To, I think it's just it's just two more years, two years later, I think it mm -hmm. was. You were reading you were reading the book. You had the book with you. And this is what you had told me. Actually, it's just right around this time you told me this had happened. And I was reading, he inspired me to pick up the book and read it again. And so I was reading a couple pages a night here and there. And this is, I think, where the Holy Spirit comes in sometimes. And one morning, it was a Saturday morning. Robbie had just come home. It was a Friday night. He just come home for college. And it was a Friday night. Saturday morning, I wake up and I do whatever a guy does in the middle of the night or when he first gets up in the morning, I go to the bathroom. And as I come, I get out of the bathroom, uh, I'm walking to my office. I want to do my like meditate and praying and journal and all that stuff. And I felt this pull to grab the book for my nightstand. I'm like, God, I don't have time to read the book right now. I want to go do my thing. And I started walking away and I just felt this pull to read the book again. And again, I, like I said, I was only reading three to five pages a night, but for whatever reason, I grabbed the book and I sat in my chair. I'm like, it's God called me to read this book. So I, I, I start to read, pick up where I left off in the book the night before. And I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm reading and I can't put the book down. And next thing you know, I'm bawling. I'm crying. I got tears. Like I'm doing the <laughs> that type of cry, you know? And um, I'm like, everybody's sleeping and, I, and I'm just born. I get on my hands and knees and I say, prayer, you know, what, with the, the, the epiphany for me in that book, because it talks about surrendering and my word of the year that year was surrender. And I just had this huge moment. Like I got to surrender to who I'm supposed to be. And in the same time, Robbie was in his, in his journey to, an adult here, he had to, you know, surrender from the parent center light and, and surrender to the principal center life of being Robbie, the son, Robbie, who he is. And so what happens is I try to get myself together. Robbie opens the door in the office. He sees me, you know, crying. He goes, dad, are you okay? And I'm like, we need to talk. So that's when we had that moment. Uh, Robbie, remember when uh, you sat there and I asked you, because we're going we're gonna to bring this all full circle right here, right? Everything affects everything. Everything affects everything. And I asked you, I said, remember when you said you had to stop living a parent-centered life? And I said, why did you feel that way if you, if you didn't live a parent-centered life? What, what, what were you feeling at that time? I said I was scared to disappoint you and mom in that case. And you looked at me. Uh huh. I won't say it. You said okay. that's bullcrap. I said. I looked at him. I said that's bullcrap. I said, what's yeah. the real reason, or what's the real fear about? You said you you wanted to disappoint us, and you said, and I said, what's the real fear? And you said something else. Uh, it was along the same lines of disappointment of you not said, pleasing. I don't let you, down. you said I don't want yeah, to. I don't want to let you down. I want to please you. And then again. Then again, I said, Rob, bullcrap. I said. What is the real real fear? If you thought you were going to disappoint us, if you thought you were going to let us down, what was the real fear there? And you looked at me and? I, I, I remember it to a T. I, I was looking down, hands on my knees, trying to think. I was trying to think here. And I looked at you, and I remember I shed a tear. And then more later after that. 
Uh-huh. But I looked at you and I'm like, Dad, because I'm scared to not be loved by you guys. Yeah. And then I realized, like, that's my biggest fear. Just like the main character in the book. And then in many cases, in many of our lives, it's our biggest fear. I can't speak for everybody else, but in my case, that's my biggest fear. And that's what I learned there. And then, like, I'm bawling now, like, oh, just like Dad was. <laughs> well, we're both, I'm, I'm, I'm getting watery-eyed right now. Yeah. It's, uh, he looked, he, I'll never forget it. He looked at me, goes, Dad, I'm afraid that would be loved. And so, you know, we both, we both, we're both crying. We gave each other a big old hug. And that was a big piece to bring in my book to the end of its conclusion, because I talk about that in the book. But I think it's safe to say what you just said, Rob, that, you know, you said you said you can't speak for everybody. But there's a lot of people out there that have that fear. And I I think you gave you exemplified that in the conversation we had. And it's I think it's a big fear of mine. It's a big fear of yours. It's a big fear of many people. So you taught me a lesson. You taught me a lesson. And I think the Holy Spirit was involved in that morning. It was, it was pretty big. It was a pretty big deal, don't you think? Oh yeah, uh, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. <laughs> so that's for sure. As 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 I clear my thoughts here on that one, now let's move on to the next chapter. If we wrap this thing up, Rob. Sure. So Robbie's a weatherman. He wants to be a weatherman. He's in college, and then he decides to get into training and physical fitness and whatnot. And he gets this crazy as most people would say, crazy idea to do what? Complete an Ironman. And what is an Ironman exactly? An Ironman triathlon. It's a triathlon, like I mentioned. It consists of starting with a 2.4-mile swim, followed by a 112-mile bike, and finishing off with a full marathon or a 26.2-mile run. And to be officially considered an Ironman, you need to do it within 17 hours. So it's a pretty long and grueling at most 17 hours. But um, that was one heck of an experience. I don't know where you want to start here, but. Well, start. How long did you train for it? So well, originally, I got the idea to do this. It was new uh, just before New Year's Day, uh, 2019, going into 2020. I got the idea. I saw it on social media. I'd, I'd heard of an Ironman before. But like getting into personal training a couple years before that, I was like, hey, try something new. It's an experience, not knowing how crazy it was at the moment. But then with COVID and everything like that, all the races got canceled. So I pushed back training up until that point. And then the following year, December into January of 2020 into 2021, I was training a little bit before that. But the core of the training started going into 2021 there. So all in all, it was about a year of training. And then the race was on September 18th, uh, 2021, obviously, down in Cambridge, Maryland. And uh, <laughs> man, oh man, what an experience that was. Early morning, uh, started around like 2.30, we got up, headed, <laughs> headed over. So uh, real quick, if we, and this is funny, this is funny, everybody. Why did we get up at 2.30 in the morning when the thing started at 6.30? Because I wanted to be up, get ready, have food in me. Get energized, listen to my music, and then get over there. Yeah, but you're leaving one part out, and this is this is very all it's transparent. You wanted to eat at two thirty and do what before you started? Ah, uh, <laughs> well, what else do you do in the morning? You mentioned it. Yeah, so you, he you take, you take, 
So you Robbie said wanted Robbie wanted to eat, so he get it all out of the system before he started at seventeen. Exactly. Hours yeah. Race, what so. What else does a man do <laughs> daily every morning? That's funny. Yeah, with one more. Two things. There's more <laughs> one and two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One and two. So, anyway, so we got up at two thirty morning, and and we got there at five, wasn't it? Five a.m. Yeah, about I think five. That's when yeah. everything opened up. So. And what was really cool, if I could share this, if you could paint this picture, you you were getting yourself so, you know, mentally prepared, and, and we're standing there, and they had the floodlights on, and it was this field, like a, a park-like field setting, and there was like 2,500 bikes lined up. And I'm sitting there, and look at, man, you could feel the spirit. You could feel the energy there. And, and, and here's a bunch, there's like 2,500-plus people that are getting ready, quote-unquote, celebrate their most by going through the most grueling day of their lives after training for you know months or even years for for this race. So, God, so tell me, so you jump into water and you tell me about the swim because we're gonna go, we're gonna do another podcast by the way where we talk about just the Ironman. But I want to, I just want Robbie to take you through the swim, the bike, and the run if you could do that in the next couple minutes, Rob. Yeah, sure. So, keep it short, little sweet elevator pitch here. Uh, get in the water. Scream something I shouldn't say on this podcast. I remember doing that loud and clear. I was hyped. I was stoked. That's the way to put it. I just, it, after a year of training, it, I couldn't believe it was here. And here we are. 15 meters into the swim, I started getting stung by jellyfish. Expected it, is what it is. It's part of the challenge. So I finished the swim. I was crawling over everybody. People were crawling over me. That's how it is with these races. But uh, finishing hour and ten, whatever that, whatever time it was, I forget. But it was an hour and ten minutes. I remember hour and ten. Okay, <laughs> I, I didn't remember. I was so laser focused on it. But get out of there, and uh, I remember making that final turn to head into the dock. In that case, and uh, got out of the water. Being in the water for swim for two point four miles, you get a little dizzy getting up. So I remember like readjusting my body when I'm up, and I'm walking up the platform, the dock. And I hear dad scream, Robbie, Robbie. And I look over, I'm trying to find you, mom. And I see you and I'm waving. And I'm smiling ear to ear, ready to roll. And then go to transition bag, uh, get my bike gear on. And in each of those transition bags and um, whatever they were, I forget what they were called. I was calling transition bags. Right. But in each of those bags, I left, I wrote myself a note to remind myself like, what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're going to achieve it from this point onto the next leg of that race. And like, well, we can get into that with that next podcast there. But those were really what pushed me to keep going forward because I knew why I was doing it and I knew what I wanted to do and how to get there. To cross that finish line and hear Robert Commodore, you are an Ironman. Yeah, but go go back, Rob. Don't don't skip out on the the bike. I, I know, know every, I'm going every back. minute of the, of the race. But go back and say you you went from the the, the swim to now the bike. You now you got a you got a bike 112 miles, and it was what 85 degrees and 85 percent humidity that day. <laughs> yeah, that was so. Like I said, I read my note, get got all my stuff on, ran over to the bike, saw you and mom taking pictures, and I was again smiling ear to ear. I was on the bike. I was like, okay, here we go, and. I knew it was going to be tough, 112 miles in the heat. Sun's going to start coming out in an hour or two. It's going to be a challenge. It is. And uh, I'm going along, go around the first loop, 
I'm feeling good, and I'm not in clipless pedals or anything like that. So I've got regular sneakers on, and I'm looking around, and everyone else has got the clipless pedals on. It's just basically more efficient for pedaling. And I was like, oh, boy, how am I going to do this to finish the other half of this bike leg? But going on, stuck to my plan. And it, it got diff- – it was around mile 70 or 80, I would say. They ran out of water. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that, one of the one of, one of the break stations. The aid stations, yeah, I should have mentioned that. My mistake. But, yeah, they ran out of water at uh, – I guess it was mile marker 70. and that's when it started getting hot. I think around that time it started feeling like 90 plus degrees. And stomach started feeling a little queasy at that point. But then I hit mile marker 90 and mile marker 100, triple digits right there. And I remember screaming to myself, no one could hear me because no one was around me. But I screamed yes, as loud as I could. And I was hyped up again, like I had been <laughs> the entire race already. Yeah. And um, so I'm going. I'm like 12 miles left and you just got to run a full marathon. Uh, yeah. A full marathon. And <laughs> so I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's make this easy, easy. And it was not. So got to the end of the bike leg and hear all you screaming, mom, dad, uh, my roommates, Phil and Brandon, Sam was there, my girlfriend, a few other friends from college were there and it was so awesome seeing them and screaming, laughing, cheering. And then got the, uh, Got to the running station, running transition station. Running shoes on, running gear, clothes, sunglasses, hat, everything. Had it all prepared. And that was a journey in and of itself. And I I could go on and on and on. I'll keep it short. But I learned more about myself running that marathon than I have throughout any other period of my life relating to what we talked about earlier in the podcast with Dad. That... I made the decision to do this. I used to get anxious about participating in sports with baseball. I made the decision to participate in Ironman and the anxiety was gone. It was purely gone. And every time I saw mom and dad and everyone else, like more times than not, I thought about that and my experiences with dad, every time I saw him, especially. And like, that was cool. So, Rob, let's talk about that run because we're going to wrap this up in the next few minutes here. Sure. Let's, let's go to the run. So, he get running's Robbie's strongest suit, right? And and so it happened to be the weakest that day because it was it was late, it was hot, it was humid, and Robbie started feeling sick around the seventh mile, ninth mile, whatever it was. Yeah, I'd say six or seven. I started feeling sick, and then. <laughs> Mile 10 was when I really got sick. Yeah, so he gets sick, and he and basically didn't have anything you drank the last 17 miles, I think it was, you told me. Yes. But something really neat happened, and that's one of the points I want to emphasize before we finish up, is that I think it was around mile 10 or mile 12, around mile 12, Robbie talked about already writing a couple notes to himself. And, he, and I didn't know this yet. And me and my wife and the, uh, the friends are standing there, Rob's coming around, and, and you see he's struggling. He pulls this thing out of his little, little bag on his hip, and he starts reading a note to himself. And I looked at my wife and said, what the hell is he doing? And he's reading a note. He had written, Robbie had written himself four notes to encourage himself during times of struggle. And this is the part that really affects me so much because when we were younger, I'd drive Robbie and Amanda to school and we'd always do affirmations along the way. 
And the affirmations would be, I don't know if you want to rip them off, Rob, but you want me to tell them. But Perseverance. So say, so, well, no, we might say, I love it to prove myself. I choose, oh, oh, my I choose to feel good. I love it to prove myself. Yes. And then we had to pick a word. Yes. Use, that, word to, that, use yeah. a word in a sentence, spell it, and say what it meant. And your word was? Perseverance. Perseverance. So Robbie wrote himself a note. And do you, do you, remember, do you remember what you wrote that sentence, the sentence you wrote about perseverance? Yeah. So I uh, wrote some other things about just keep going before all the perseverance. But the last sentence I wrote, I said, Remember to along the lines, not quote unquote, but remember to keep going here. Dad taught you about perseverance, especially when you were a kid. Remember that. Spell it out and use it in a sentence and keep remembering that sentence and keep replaying that sentence in your head. Say it to yourself over and over and over. Yeah. Well, at that point, it was the because that was mile 19, I believe. Uh, you're what? You're not what? You're right. I remember. Yeah, that's what it, it was. was. Yeah. And, and, and for the rest of the race. Just keep repeating perseverance in my head. And uh, it was mile 19. I said, You're, we're going to see you at the finish line. And you were really struggling. He was really struggling. And this is what this is some other stuff we'll get into in the next another podcast because we're going to talk to him and his cousin, my nephew. They both did Ironmans in the same year, and, and we're going to have them both share their stories and uh, you know, in more detail. But so here it is. It's mile 19, and it's getting late. And Robbie, after the bike, he was like on a 12 and a half mile pace. But now we got these little trackers and we're watching it. And Robbie's going from a nine and a half minute mile to a 13 minute mile to a 10 and a half minute mile to an 18 minute mile to a 15 minute mile to a 19 and a half minute mile. And he was really struggling. There was times when the tracker wasn't moving. And then all of a sudden, we uh, it was like 24 miles, and we're we go to meet him at the finish line, and we want to be right there at the finish line when he comes along. And the last what quarter mile, maybe not even two tenths of a mile, whatever, was like a it's like a, a straight away if you want to straight call away. it straight away. And they have a red carpet the last I don't know last hundred feet or so hundred yards, and um, and it was about 20 mile 24. We're looking at it installed, and then it goes 24.2 minutes later, 24.4. And all the 26 and like, actually, you know, he's, he's two tenths of a mile away. And you see that you see your son coming down the straightaway. And his dad and a spectator, it's one of the proudest moments that you experience to watch, you know, not just a person, but your son who's, who's trained and struggled for a year plus and has put himself through the most grueling day of, of his life. And he finishes it. He finishes the race. And um, it was just, it was just an, uh, it was an amazing, an amazing feeling for myself, my wife, the friends and whatnot. And, uh, and then we got, and, and then, so he finishes the race and we don't even see him. We don't get to see him for almost two hours. What happened? Oh, I got sick. I got sick. I was in the med tent for, what was it? Was it like two hours? Some of that I don't even remember. But uh, yeah. Take an IV. Remember the IV. An IV. But finished. We finished. We what finished. did it mean to you to finish that? What did it mean? What did it mean to you to finish that race, Rob? Well, I guess you could say a little bit of a cliche because it is the motto of Iron Man. But they say that anything is possible. And that, like, after finishing it, that couldn't be closer to the truth. For no matter who we are, what stage of life we're in, where we're at, how we're feeling at any given moment, 
anything is possible. And that's why I want to go to graduate school for meteorology. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to do another race. That's why I love talking about this stuff with dad. It doesn't matter what it is. Like anything is possible. And when I crossed that finish line going to what you were saying, like this could sound like a cliche too and selfless, I guess, in a way. But like I thought about everyone and everything that got me to that point. Like it's not just me. It's a team effort. Like, sure, am I doing the one that's am I the one that's doing the swimming, the biking, the running? Yes, but that's not all it is. Like that, you played a role with the lessons you've taught me. That's clear as day. Mom played a role. Everyone else played a role. Anyone who watched, it's it's a team effort. We like, in my eyes, we crossed the line. We are we are Iron Man. It's not just me. (laughs) And like again, I know that can sound like a cliche. No, no, it's great. It's great. But like to me, we are. And Sam even helped you if it's a swimming, remember? Yeah, exactly. She would run or she would bike when I would run and train and she would paddleboard in uh, the river when I would swim. And she'd be there by my side just making sure I was safe and hydrated, unlike the race. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, and that's the one thing that I will never forget about that, that we did it. It's not I did it. We did it. Well, thank you for saying that, Robbie. It means a lot. And I, and I hope everybody picking up on all this stuff Robbie's uh, saying because it's so powerful, so mature, 22-year-old kid or man, I should say young man, saying what he's saying here and going through what he's going through. And I, I would I would hazard to say if, you, if you've listened to this whole piece here, you can hear how the pieces are falling away and God's been chiseling away at this kid called Robbie. And uh, he's chiseling away at him and he's chiseled away at him so much. So he's, he's done so much in 22 years of his life. But Robbie, would you agree that there's more to go? Uh, I haven't even hit halfway point yet. That's you're, the way you're to put first it. quarter. I, I don't even know about that, dad. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, I think it's like 25 years old, 50, 75. You're in the first quarter. You got like exactly. You got three minutes left to go in the first quarter. That's <laughs> fine. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, uh, so God's been working on you, and when we get together again, me, you, and Jake, we'll talk about uh, you know some of the dark times, the good times, and all the stuff you went through in, in, in the Iron Man. But it's such an accomplishment, and such I mean, it's something to be proud of. And as a dad, I, I couldn't be more. But every time I think of the story, I get, I get get emotional about it. As you've heard on this, you've heard me get choked up here, watching your son do it, watching other people do it, watching all shapes, all sizes, all ages, all, all genders crossing the line. We saw a, a blind woman do it. Um, it's, it's just an amazing experience and it's, it's, you know, God working on all these people's lives and, and, and taking them to the, to extremes of things that they didn't think they were capable of. And I don't think it's a better way to end the show than with what you said, Robbie, with your line that what anything is possible. Anything. And, and what's the one third thing you had, uh, you have on your shirt, you said we can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. I yeah. can do, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me, but we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. So powerful. So 
Robbie, thank you so much, man. You made my night here. It's, it's so cool to have you as a guest on the show. And uh, you'll be on another one here soon and back to college here next week. You're, well, by the time the show's airs, you'll already be at college. So yeah. um, if anybody wants to get a hold of Robbie Commodore to talk about whether it's meteorology, whether it's Iron Man, whether it's uh, being a son of a, a hard-nosed guy, dad to get a <laughs> time and uh, stubborn, stubborn, how would they get a hold of you, Rob? So – I mean, there's social media out there, Twitter. Uh, that's Robcom5, R-O-B-C-O-M-M-5. Uh, that's probably the most, one of the most prevalent on, put out weather updates for meteorology purposes, obviously. But uh, obviously email, Robcom5, same spelling, at gmail.com. Uh, phone number, four, so 410-622-8078. Again, it's 410-622-8078. So if you have any questions, they're, they're, I mean, email and phone number are probably the best ways to contact me. If you have Twitter, reach out. Uh, I love following people, especially weather purposes, as I mentioned on there. I love talk talking weather. But if you have questions, say about Ironman, anything like that, email me, call me, text me, whatever you need. And any advice, uh, I love sharing the lessons that dad shared with me, with my friends and the people I'm closest to. And whether it's at school, a few of them already know I've shared many lessons with them throughout the past four years, especially my roommates. So, well, good, Rob. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be your dad and have you here on this on this podcast. And and God's working in our lives. You chiseled me to be a better dad. Chiseling you to be for you to become who you're supposed to become. And until next time, everybody, let's go get chiseled. You just got chiseled with Rob Hunter. Sure to like this podcast, share it with your friends, and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Also, you can find Rob's book on Amazon, Better Than Equal.